This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 41, How to Win from Ahead. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. just like crazy Why? it just feels really crazy we're so much further away from each other i, I look know. at you now yeah i don't like i that. mean we looked at each other kind of before but not yeah like we should this. talk about that we used to sit An let's, adjacent let's, you know what let's dunk on the way that we used to do this and how that's over matt and hunter we were used idiots to, we used to just like snuggle up next to right. the microphone one microphone and it was like we were like starving or like no we were really we were cold. passenger we were we were sitting next to each other on the bus and decided to record a podcast yeah together. it was like that and we would look the same direction but then right. eventually we would start looking at each other but we're sitting right next to each other which means we our... weren't talking into the microphone we right. were just talking a, like a, adjacent to the microphone but here we are now talking into Real microphones. good microphones. And th- you know what's funny is like we're making such a big deal out of this and they're going to be like, I can't even tell. I can't like, tell a difference I have no at idea. all. It doesn't matter. Maybe it does sound good. I what don't know. We don't, we don't even know. You know what? While you're listening to us, we don't even know how good this sounds coming out of your speakers. Maybe it's right. like music at this point. Yeah. Maybe by now it's like you're like, whoa, this is like a party. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into some it's business. It's a shame we already did that Smokey and the Bandit. Um, <laughs> or was it Smokey and the Mongoose? Smokey and the Mongoose. Because that would have right. been a really this good, good timing for that. Yeah. But now, yeah. We're, now we're not doing that. Today, yeah. we're talking about other stuff. Last week, we talked about how to win from behind. And this week, <laughs> we're continuing that discussion because there's more to say. Right. But it's, a, it's from a different perspective. This week, we want to talk about how to win when you're ahead, which... Yeah. How to win when you have the most points in the game. (laughs) How do you win? If you can imagine that, (laughs) we're really going to help you today. It's really hard for people to figure out how to win when they have the most points. Right. Well, the key is just keep having the most until you've done it. Until the game is over. Uh, No, actually, what's fun about Twilight Imperium is this is kind of a complex issue to have this well, is this it, is one of the hardest things to do in Twilight Imperium. Right, right, is to get an early lead yeah. and not get knocked down a peg. In TI three, I feel like we were almost religious in the way we would talk about. Yes. it. it's a little, it's loosened up a little bit. I feel like in fourth edition, but in third edition, we would talk about it like, no, it's all about being second place until the end. Like, right, always. Like in first place, it felt like first place would always lose. Like whoever was in first the whole time, they had no shot. They right. were like, right. It was a huge mistake to. It's take the a same lead. problem as that game Munchkin, which is like. plenty of problems but the biggest problem with munchkin is like the first person to get the nine points you literally have like two percent chance of winning because by the time you get to the nine points everyone's got all their best stuff they're gonna stop you and then the second person to get the nine points is like like oh the dumbest thing about that game is that like everybody's geared up to stop you 
And then, and then they and then burn the it next all. Next person comes up and is like, "Hey, I'm at hey, level nine. I win." And nobody has anybody that doesn't play Munchkin has no idea what we're. But it doesn't about matter. It. It's it, it's an understandable problem because it happens in Ti too. Right, kind of. right. It actually does. Yeah, your action card hand, like everyone using their action cards to right. stop so and so from doing something in the final round, only to have used all their action yeah. cards, and now the next person can just come along and easily just right. kind of skate into the victory. Yeah, that so, does happen. So let's let's set up this conversation today of how to win from ahead. But let's yeah. start with just like how did you even get to this point? Yeah, how do you get like ahead so significantly that, it's, that it becomes it's like a problem? Because yeah. we're not just talking about like we're all at nine or like you're at nine points and everyone else is at eight points. You're ahead. Like, well, that's kind of a different yeah. beat that we're on. Uh, I'm th- talking about that round three five pointer kind of thing as well. Yes, like the like you kind of just like the the you know the race started and you just kind of jumped right up there right yeah we're, we're talking about that and we're also going to talk about another aspect of like th- there's kind of the like way too early and there's the y- you're still ahead too early that because there's other games where it's just like the pack is always there and nobody gets ahead we're, mm-hmm. we're really talking about having what like a two or three point advantage sure over everyone sure. else yeah yeah that's that's really the scenario we're trying to outline that's, today it's the more common scenario so the first one is it's round three and it's just like i'm way ahead this right. is awesome right is it i don't know yeah uh the there's i think three or there's, there's like two main ways you get way ahead by round three mm-hmm. and the first is Mechatol you point, got baby. Mechatol. Mechatol yeah, point. that does a lot. If you round two took Mechatol, that's one point. If you got Imperial round two or three, that's another point. So that's two points. And then a if lot you score the public objectives too, like yeah, it, it's just very easy that if if you have Mechatol, you're gonna probably fly ahead early. Mm-hmm. Like and and a lot of boards can see that that's the thing, and they'll be like, well, okay, we're not gonna read too much into it. But if you've been like scoring other objectives, like your secrets and stuff too, in addition to Mechatol, you might look very far ahead right and i want to go ahead and preface this scenario with this is better than the alternative right hunter what's the alternative way you could be way ahead at three rounds um well you could not have taken mechatol and instead you just had a good secret objective hand and you're just that's it you you, right. you played them all you scored all your secrets you've also scored most of the stage one objectives like it's round three right okay yeah. in round three you have the, no it, objectives left to score right. and you're in the lead right. so everybody's like hey this guy is a problem and uh, and you don't uh, have anything uh, else to do uh, you're kind of just sitting there with your you know hand in your pockets because you, you you're waiting uh-huh. for more points to hit the table right um and so the looking big, for swingers hands <laughs> in the pockets swingers. uh either way in either scenario, if you get early, if, if you get ahead this early, you need to be ready to get defensive. That's right. the biggest thing. You probably have been stretching yourself way too thin to get this early because if you've been scoring a bunch of objectives, that means your stuff is probably kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's about time you backed up and and focused on home a little bit because in the second scenario, you have no more points to score anyways. You need to just make sure people don't gut you right and they will want to yeah and in the first scenario in the mechatol scenario if you secure your pie slice there may be not much anybody can do about you having that lead right that's why the first that's why the mechatol scenario is a lot safer because it's kind of like if you then play defensively after taking mechatol you might keep that lead and, and you might be okay Right, and but I do want to stress how important it is if you're taking if this is happening to you that you should probably camp down, you know, yeah. on Mechatol. Yeah, 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 yeah. You Don't just walk- take Mechatol and then like walk away from Mechatol. Of course not. If you're gonna get this kind of a lead, quick off of shout Mechatol. out to our friend EJ, who you can watch doing this exact right. thing we're talking about in the holiday spectacular 
uh, stream, which was our first stream. Yeah. And you can go watch that and see how that played out for him. Uh, spoiler. It didn't, didn't go well. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't play out. Um, because, yeah, you get a lot of steam, and then you kind of run out of that steam, and you've been a target, so nobody is ever willing to make any deals right. with you. Right. And you right. just you fall out of like the actual running of the game. You, you stop mm-hmm. playing Twilight Imperium, and you start playing, like, how do I just sit here and try to accrue points by myself? Which, that's not a very good title for a game. No. You know? <laughs> nobody wants to play long. how do I sit here and score points for myself game. Yeah. That's not... A fun game by Hasbro. <laughs> Regardless of the two uh, the two possible plans, uh, if you're on round three and we're already a problem, uh, I mean, I would say I actually don't. I really don't like when this happens to me. Right. Like if I'm if I'm really ahead this early in the game, it's a problem because you're gonna have to start thinking defensively in the mid game. Right. So that means it's... that like you're you're generally maybe not gonna be able to swing out for these other objectives yeah. that you're gonna need. Um, right. So I would rather not be a threat to the table this early. early. Yeah. Yeah. So generally speaking, th- it, you should avoid taking huge leads by, by round, round three. three. Round you just, three you is just not... shouldn't do it. If right. you're, we're going to talk more later about what to do if you do get into that situation. But just know up front, we kind of don't condone it. <laughs> if you right. can avoid, you you should. I'm not saying like don't score objectives under any circumstance, but like yeah, it. I mean, it can happen. You can get in a situation yeah. where you're like, I oh, no, I gotta score this now, yeah. and I'm gonna have to be the leader in round three. Right. We're not saying like at all costs avoid it. Right. Sometimes you're not gonna be able to avoid sure. it. You're gonna have to be. But that if you person. have other avenues of like, you know, if you very quickly get the you know get both faction technologies secret objective right you don't need to score it that early no you can bank that and no. you can hold on to it later yeah. any anything like that four pds on the board if you're joel and you start with two it's pretty quick to get two more well That's don't true. don't claim that objective round two or three two is two and then after that's three and then mm, four is actually good. the one after that so and, i mean it's not that you know <laughs> thank you hunter <laughs> two plus two equals five yes mm. and and if you have five pds's and speaking of five, round five. Is yeah, another- we want to transition into another. That was beautiful and well executed. Uh, no, we we do want to Guys, talk about. This is a whole new world for us right, right now. <laughs> we are literally like this is. We are starting over from square one. There are like arms. There are mechanical just attached arms to my desk with and I have microphones to deal with on that. them, and it's so amazing. There's a robot helping me record this right now, and he's just like, "Here, let me hold this it's for so you." It's so insane. Um, so we want to talk about the other scenario that you might get ahead, and this is more likely, which is like what, like a round five ish, a ahead. late game, like, yes, like pull ahead. So how did basically. we get? How did we get here? Um, honestly, I one thing that I don't think we have listed that I feel like factors into both an early and late mm-hmm. game lead. Is actually um, your fellow players not really not keeping up there? Not really doing too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If you're just there, there is a scenario where like you're having a decent game and everyone else is just Just trash. Yeah, not not trash players, but like having that horrible luck game where none of the objectives are in their favor. It can totally happen. Um, and so that's kind of a different conversation than what we're really digging into. We want to talk a little bit more about. Uh, let, let's let's give this scenario. You are the first one to score that very first stage two objective when no one else really could. You are we sitting on this, Mechatol. We see this a lot. You actually. have a home system with a decent amount of influence, and the first one out was spend sixteen influence, and you just have it, and nobody else has it. Okay, right. you just gained t- a two point advantage on everyone else in round five. That's kind of a big deal. 
Going into the late game, yeah, that means you're probably, like, math-wise, you're in striking distance. Yes. You must be in striking right, dif- right. distance of winning at that point. Yeah. Um, and th- this isn't a horrible situation to be in. It's probably if the you're best just, one. Yeah, if you're, if you're scoring that first stage two when no one else is, things are probably okay for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other situation you could be in, though, is similar to the, the round three one. If you're in the lead at round five, and it's because you scored all of your secret objectives already. Right you're probably running out of steam or at least you're running out of abilities to surprise your opponents. Like right. You're running out of ways to just like, aha, gotcha. Like now everything you have is on the table. Right. And everybody's going to start counting what you're doing right. and you don't have any more hidden things to work with. You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of a no swingers situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you've already swung, you can't swing again, baby. Right. right. Uh, and the, the last one is really the best case scenario which is if you've gotten a few imperial points you're sitting comfortable and right. and i don't like you're 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 in a really great situation to probably win the game if if you've scored like two or three imperial points by round 5 um there the the big thing with imperial points and the reason we like them so much is those are points no one can take away with you. You can't take away any points, but they also don't take away from everything else you've been doing. Right. I you mean, you still have lots of public objective options if you're right. scoring imperial. Points. Right. You you have lots of opportunities to get things done. When you score all of the public objectives, you run out of ways to do things. Suddenly, your only opportunity for more points are imperial points. Right. And late game, nobody's going to let you have imperial. Right. So what we're talking about is if you manage to get a bunch of imperial points early before it's before people really started to take advantage of it. You could have this huge lead and maybe be okay. And I want to clarify when we say huge lead, I mean that we're talking three about points. two or three, right? Like, not yeah, not not, not, not like a six point lead because when someone has a six point lead, that's a whole other right. That's a whole thing. that's a whole other ballpark. But I mean, if you've been keeping up with public objectives and you throw in an imperial point or two yes. or God forbid three, I think it would be pretty crazy if they let you get three. If anybody ever it. scored three imperial points, I would be that like, would be you're very crazy. Yeah. Um, but the point to all of this setup is to say now. You are public enemy number one. Yeah. And that's the situation we want to talk about today. When you're public enemy number one, how do you possibly win? Because that's the situation that is hard to be in. If you're a couple points ahead of everyone and you have access to more points maybe, or even if you don't, but everyone has looked at you and said, hey, Hunter, Hunter's running away with it and we have to stop him. The second right. you hear that sentence, we have to stop so-and-so we're in trouble and that's what we want to talk about today of like how do you how do you combat that because it's it's going to happen in lots of games and i think some people are too easy to too too easily dismiss it it's just like you just shouldn't let that happen and and if you let that happen you're screwed there are ways to win while being public enemy number one right um i think the uh, concept that is very important to understand is the idea of banking objectives yes and what we mean by this is not exactly like uh just decide not to score something that you could score right it's about the the specifics of it is let's say there are two public objectives i have available to myself a control for tech specialty planets objective and a uh tech objective yeah to have three tech know. specialty planets or control two and right. two colors right two and two colors um i already have two and two colors so what should i just like score, score that well, uh, what if I could get the control one this round and then keep the tech right. one for later? Because once I become public enemy number one, control objectives are going to get very difficult. Yes, very, so... very difficult. And yeah, you need to prep for that. So I, in general, I think this is why I play as a 
super aggressive player right because i'm trying to keep up with all the easy not easy stuff but passive stuff to do i'm trying to just like always be dropping some pdfs yeah. and always be getting tech because later i want to be able to get those points that no one can take those away from me right and i want to score the really hard objectives early because if your only option late game is to score really hard objectives well, the rest of the table, A, is going to see that, and B, going to be able to stop you. Right. Because multiple people trying to stop you from one really difficult objective puts the favor way in their court. Like, they're, right. they are going to do so much better at that. Right. But if it's just like, you guys can't stop me, I already have two texts and two colors, and that's the only point I need, mm -hmm. that's the way you're going to win the game. Right. So banking right. objectives is a big deal. And yeah, I think the important thing to know is, like you said, it's not just... Some people talk about... Is it important? Sh should you just not score yeah. points? Yeah. Should I just not score any points because I'm trying to bank a bunch of objectives? Right. I'm going like, to have an awesome round like four. An, like you're trying to create like an artificial swing round right. and you don't even need to have a swing round. Yeah. My big advice is absolutely not. You should score points if they are available to right. you because it is worse to force yourself to stay behind and then you might lose the opportunity to get those points later. Right. And then now you're just way behind and no more opportunities well, to get ahead. Or, you, or the thing is, there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens with how many points you could score in a right. round. So if you take a round off, that right. might be what really destroys your game in the late game. Right. Because somebody might be able to sneak in in front of you. Yeah. I think this is the big point to, to, to solidify this is I don't think you should ever hold off on scoring a public objective if you can score one right just you period should, you should, you should always aim for the most difficult yeah you yeah. should aim for the most difficult one but if you can score any public one objective you should score a public objective yes, yes. secrets i get holding on to some secrets the passive ones the passive ones most people will, will point out action phase ones are the best ones to hold on to and i agree with that there's plenty of action phase secret objectives that I will hold on to, even if I just did, like, I blew up a flagship. If there's a bunch of other flagships on the board and it's a little bit too early in the game, I'll maybe not score that objective. Depends on how easy the other ones will be to take out. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing I want to make sure and point out is there are way more status phase secret objectives, and you're only going to have so many status phases. Right. So you need to make the judgment call of, am I going to be able to score this status phase secret objective later on? Right. If it's a, just a passive effect, sure, but what if later on you have another status phase secret? You can't score two in one status right, phase. Right. So you need to be very careful about banking status phase secret objectives. So I would say, generally speaking, I'm going to score it when I have the opportunity, even if it will give me an advantage. Because I would rather have the lead and find a way to defend myself than just not take the lead and then lose the opportunity to get the lead. Again, this all comes down to what are the actual objectives available to you and you should always look for passive ones because passive ones, of course, you can wait and probably do it eventually. All right. It's whenever. Yeah. Well, let's say you do have you've you've done your homework. You have objectives banked. Mm -hmm. Uh you're you're ahead and everyone hates you, right. but uh, you you kind of see your path to make it right. through the end of this. What does that even mean? What are we doing? What are we going to focus on to make sure that we can make it through the end of the game even though we're in the lead right now and everybody hates us? Right. First and foremost, you've got to keep up your defenses. Right. And what what is the linchpin of that? Like, what's what's the 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 gatekeeper, the doorman, the doorman, the doorman, the door? It's your doorman. It's the it's the infantry. You yeah. have to you have to have infantry, and and more importantly, you need to have been working on infantry all game. Right. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but like, just never stop building infantry. If well, you can where help are it. those infantry? Are we going to put them everywhere on every planet? I mean, slice? it would be great to, but most specifically, 
be prepared to protect your home system. That's the only place people are going to really screw up your plans is taking yeah. your home system and keeping you from claiming objectives. So you need to be dropping lots of people on your infant- uh, on your home system. Um, so more importantly, if you've gotten way ahead and you don't have a bunch of infantry on your home system, on, on all the planets in your home system, it's time to make that like a priority. Spend one round spending all of your production value of your home system getting more infantry down. Right. Right. Because you just need to pack those planets up. This is why it's so difficult to play as Hakan sometimes. Like to get ahead as Hakan is very difficult because you have three planets you need to defend mm-hmm. versus all the one planet home systems where it's just like, yeah, I drop sack as many as you want, but infantry and yeah. that's six infantry on that one planet. I'm Throw good to down. go. Um so the other point too is have PDS. PDS help with this. Right. I if you can as you go throughout the game be getting some PDS, I think it's always useful because that's going to prevent some bombardment and you're going to want that. This is all probably sounding somewhat obvious, but the real point I think that we're wanting to drive home is that your fleets are the least important part of this puzzle. Right. If you're going to get way ahead, your fleets for defensive purposes become not kind of trivial because why do you even need to win the space battle if your infantry on your home yeah. planet is enough to right. get through you know what i mean like right. if you've if you've and it's way cheaper it up, to do that and you're you're looking at like all right so this fleet has this much bombardment this many infantry they can get to my home system and i've got way more than i mean i'm good right like they're, like they're right. not going to get through it you can set yourself up to be just unstoppable if you put enough infantry down having a big fleet Two people could attack your home system. The first one will wipe out a big portion of the fleet, and then the second one will finish the job. No fleet can can basically get through the whole table going against you. Right. But when we're talking about just bombardment versus infantry, mm-hmm. it's different. There's a different... The math is a lot simpler. Yep. And there's a, it's a lot more difficult for people to team up with you because, like essentially they're gonna have to fight each other right. through space to even get to have that kind of wave after wave of bombardment yeah and and honestly the the other big point is that your fleets are more important elsewhere right they're Especially not useful defensive. defensive if yeah. you if you're in this position that means you have a couple more objectives you need to just stretch out there and get right. and that's what you need to use your fleets for drop infantry on your home system so that you can spend your fleets still getting those last couple objectives that you need to get right. that's what your fleets are for fleets are for aggression infantry and planets are for defense because they're such a cheap defense right they're such a cheap easy defense to mount um and yeah it i see too often uh people turtling by building large fleets yep. that are now you know we're talking like round five round six it's like this is almost the end of the game and you're spending all this money on this fleet yep. you don't have warfare this fleet is going to do nothing exactly. you just spend a bunch of money right and this fleet is not going to help you score any objectives you've got to you your get your mobile. stuff out there yeah, yeah that like you you can't you can't just turn everything around and just be like all right well we're all just going to sit here because then how are you going to score that last point or two right right so keep those fleets available. So let's talk about the the scarier scenario. Yeah. Let's get into what if you just don't... You're in ha- the lead and you don't have anything else yeah, so you, you can score. You, you spent basically. it all. You, you scored all the things and, and you're kind of just waiting on more objectives to come out. You're, you're just hoping, you know, oh, I've, I've been sitting on two tech in every color, but that objective still hasn't come out. And I'm j- if, if that one comes out, I'll win the game. But everything else, I, I don't know what to do. 
Well, I mean, I think I think you're kind of covering it, which is that as the game goes on, there's less randomness yep. to like what you might see come right, out. Right. Um, and I mean, I don't want to freak anybody out, but like think about what secret objectives have been scored, which ones are still available, yes. grab new secret objectives, maybe even be prepared to cycle out the secret objective right. that you have. Right. That's in a favor big thing. Of another one. That's a big thing. I, I had a game recently where I had a secret objective that I could score. It was a little bit tricky, but it's like, oh, I could definitely do this in a round. I just kind of had to focus my whole round on that. Right. But based on what I was seeing already on the board, I was like, I know that there are some secret objectives still in that deck that like I could just automatically already qualify right. for. Right. So Imperial late game, even as doing the secondary, getting more secret objectives cycle that hand of secret objectives because one of the things you're going to look for when you're running out of objectives to score is some secrets that are going to come very, very easily. Right. Because you're running out of space to stretch yourself out. You're, you're probably already stretched thin or you're spending way too much time just defending your home system. So you need some easy secret objectives. Right. And how yummy would it be to... How yummy? Mm. Uh, how yummy would it be to like start focusing on defense, plop down some more PDS, and then at the very end, you get to score that four PDS right. secret objective. Exactly. It's just like, wow, this just You're kind of hoping, me. And the, so the same thing goes, too, for, for public objectives. You don't have as much control over this, but you need to be very mindful of what public objectives could come out, and you kind of just need to start gearing for those. You, you are rolling the dice at this point. If you've already spent all the objectives you can get, and you're just waiting for more to come out, you need to get ahead of the game and just hope you get it right. Right. To, right. to a certain extent. I'm not saying spend everything you've got to get five tech planets before the tech planet objective has come out, but have a pathway to get those. Get your fleets in position to where if that one came out, you could very quickly jump on them. Because if all of your stuff isn't in position, it'll be too late when it does come out. Right. And the same thing goes for two tech in every color. Like Keep getting tech. Keep getting all of the stuff that helps you score those late game points. Because the best thing that could happen to you is... <gasps> finally the stage two that I needed comes out right. and you guys can't do enough to stop me because right. I've just been waiting. So with that waiting comes double uh, emphasis on you need to defend. Right. And in some cases, it's in lieu of maybe other points that you could potentially get. If you're so far ahead that like everyone is really pointing their fingers at you, you need to make sure your stuff is ready to hold on. Mm -hmm. um, this is why SAR is so hard late game because yeah. SAR is very easy to stop and and get ahead of when they get too far in the lead victory points wise other people can just like outfleet them and out you know ground force them so and also i feel like there there's an interesting thing that happens with sar and that they sort of enable their neighbors to also score certain points right you open well, up so. you usually have a pretty open pie slice that other people are going to start dipping into and taking advantage of right so you're losing those control objective things all game long which, so, speaking of losing, I feel like if you're in the lead and you're in this situation where you don't know where to go, you should probably be prepared to lose some ground somewhere. Right. And it's just got to be the you right need to, spot. You need to strategically plan out which ground you're willing to lose and leave that as the vulnerable area. I see too many people that are literally looking, at, like basically facing down the whole rest of the table, and they really are honestly trying to protect their whole slice. Yeah. When it's like, if you're in this position... And you're ahead, and no one has a good reason to right. like basically be your friend. Uh, yeah, you, maybe you, you gotta lose Lodor. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. It's like just, don't fight, don't lose your whole fleet fighting for a planet that you might not need at all. Right. Be be prepared to just 
pull back a little bit and consolidate your forces so that they're they would rather take the easy planets to take than take out your whole fleet because again you want to keep that fleet around so that you can claim the objectives that do come up too many games i see people um in the late game ahead and they lose it just because they risk their whole fleet over something they did not have to and now they just don't have the the movability right. in the end for if another objective comes out they're just not gonna be able to score it right. so don't right. don't don't lose your fleet. Yeah. Do not lose your fleet in the end game. Like if that. we're if it sounds like we're suggesting like too many things at once, it's like it, it feels like we're kind of saying don't the lose impossible. anything. Yeah, right? don't lose anything. It's like, well, yeah, obviously. But the point is know what you can afford to lose. Right. Because you should kind of plan to lose that. Like if you get that far ahead, you probably deserve to get knocked down a peg. Right. And you need to just make sure that the that where you get knocked down is where you can afford to lose that. I mean, honestly, I feel like the cliff notes of this point, like any any newer players, what I feel like I want you to get out of what we've been talking about for the last like five minutes is essentially like my my boys, my infantry, they protect me. Yes. My fleets are to keep my options open. Right. And it's that's how it that's it's how that, it is. Yeah, it's, really. it's that simple. I uh, mean, there are some exceptions. I like I sure. you, you did bring up Hakan and the fact that they have three planets in their home system, like it is you a, need better defenses than that. Yeah. 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 You right. need to do a little bit more work, but Especially any one planet home system factions, like get the infantry down and then prepare those yeah. fleets to strike out and do the just important throw work. those down. Don't worry about like too many too many space battles yep. uh, over the home system where it's like, well, this they were gonna lose this, and yep. I'm not even sure what the point of it was. Right, you know. Right. So let's. A lot of this is probably to to veterans. This is maybe some of this is pretty obvious, uh, and so we want to get into maybe the less obvious stuff. We've been talking about just like the straight up and down strategic objective stuff, but let's talk about like how the table is currently treating you right. and the metagame against, hey, let's let's all hate so-and-so. Like, right. what, do you, what do you just do as a player when you get all the fingers pointed at you? Well, basically, when you have the heat of the table yeah. of somebody being like, hey, you're in the lead right now, right. whether it's third round, fifth round, whatever, uh, you're in the lead and you're public yeah. enemy number one and we, and we are all against yeah. you right now. So on top of all of the things we've just said, which is like what's happening inside your head, all of the objective planning you're doing, what you need to be putting out there is a very different sort of operation. You're, so, you're, Twilight Imperium is not the type of game where you can just like, oh, everyone's against me. Well, I can just power through this. Right. No, you no, no, no. You need to play the metagame. It's political enough to where you cannot do that. Right. So how do we get the meta off our back? Well, I mean, I think we, we, we really got to call out, uh, if you're doing well, hopefully you're not the only one doing, hopefully yeah. you're not like, I'm at seven points and everyone else has two. Like, yeah, maybe in that case, that you sucks. might be able to just like <laughs> cakewalk your way, right. moonwalk your way into that 10 <laughs> points. But like most of the time, that's not going to be the case. There is a second place person yeah. there, and you need to get as much heat on them as possible. Do their public objective math. Make that, make that. Yeah. obvious to everyone right what they can score what they might be sell able to them score. down the river right like you you are there's so much heat on you and the best thing you can do is basically make it look like you can't score any more than right. you. oh man i just yeah. happened to luck into this oh i have right. no idea how i got all these points i'm just a simple i'm an little idiot man how could i possibly i have no blockade idea. a home system i don't um, know how to do that mm-hmm. I, how what is blockade mean <laughs> i don't know can someone hand me the rule book i just I don't I know any of the rules up. of the game anymore <laughs> and so and so's a genius he's right. got this all figured right. out he's trying to pin you all against me because he knows how to get his win right 
So, so yeah, it's 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 making someone else look better than you and make yourself look a little weak. Now, again, these are these are kind of obvious. So let's dip into the even more tricky, fun stuff that you can do. And that's Ooh. what do you do with the other four players? You, now you're everyone's pointing a finger at you. Mm-hmm. You're pointing your finger at second place. What about the other four people? What do you, what do you need to start doing with them? Well, so um, what I like to do in general uh, in any game of Twilight Imperium, as far as meta, as far as table goes is I try and keep, um, I don't like herds. Right. I don't like it when the table Pack mentality. is like the UN. Yeah. I don't like that <laughs> at all. Right. Um, so I try and break the herd up and make sure that all of my relationships on the table are very one, yeah. one-on-one. You like to talk about making eye contact with someone. Yeah. So I look Single at my out neighbors someone. a lot. Yeah. And I try and... I try and create relationships with my neighbors that are mutually beneficial, yep. that they are not going to want to break, which means that if I get in the lead, they're going to be like, well, I don't know. I'm benefiting like, so much from them. Right. This is why I love playing Hakan is yeah. because it's very easy to create that relationship. With other factions, it can be more difficult, but you can still do it. Right. But e- even from a, maybe it's not a relationship you've already set up, but just that now you're in this position. Right. Okay, well, let's get person in last place on my side. Or just, even second place. Sometimes you can do sure, it with the, maybe. the second leader, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in general, it's it's starting to butter that person up really good. Start offering them stuff. Anything you can afford to lose, get it to them because it's going to have two purposes. One, if it is that person who's like in a decent scoring position, you can give them enough to where they start to look like the target. Right. Or you can... Um, just get one person, one less person attacking you. Ideally, like, let's say, you know, I'm sitting here and the person to my left is in like second to last place or last place. That's the person I want to start buttering up because A, that protects my left flank Mm -hmm. and just keeps one person from invading my stuff and it gets them to put pressure elsewhere on the board. We're going to be cool now and you're going to keep at least one of these four players off of my back and the best way to do this mechanically within the ideas of the game is support for the throne yes basically it's designed in this way right this is something hunter and i forgot to kind of touch on last week and it was important to last week's discussion and it's especially important now which is we finally come up with the good rationale for why we don't like giving out support for the throne round one. Yep. And we, we have kind of said it before. We've, we've kind of categorized it as like a bargaining chip that I don't want to lose. But I think more we've we've said, I don't want to be limited by the fact that someone else has my support for the throne and I can't activate their system. Well, it's, it's bigger than that. It's that... I need support for the throne when the going gets tough. Right. That's that's when I most need those tools. And that's why I don't like giving them out when things are easy. When things are easy, I can make other relationships with people. I can keep things, you know, I, I can have a courtesy with my neighbor right. and it doesn't require giving a support for the throne because I need that support for the throne when I'm in the lead and I need to get somebody off my back. If you've already given out your support for the throne, if you're in this situation that we're describing right now, that's just one less bargaining chip you have. And you can't use that now against other players. You can't use it to make the negotiations more complicated. You can't use it to break the herd. I mean, that's that's probably the most obvious way you could break up the herd. If you give your support for the throne to the person in second place and it makes them like tie you or something... Talk about a herd breaker. Like, right. the, <laughs> talk, talk about a herd breaker. <laughs> you, you really have just left the table with not that many reasons to keep targeting you. Right. It's like, no, we're both at eight. What are you, what you, are you talking about? You completely disrupted the whole right. conversation. And hopefully you did it with some sort of, you know, great plan in mind as for how you're right. going to get, you know, like if I've got, 
you know, initiative on them. Right. Basically. Now and I'm going to get into their territory yeah, to get that this. control objective. And now they have to consider, are they really going to take away that control objective from me? Or are they going to let me have that point because they think they can race me for the victory right. point? Right. So um, the, the other thing too here is just straight up, like start offering your services to other players. Just yeah. help, help someone score an objective. Right. You know, maybe it's one round where like, I, I don't want, again, we don't want to say don't score a round, but Start boosting other people up. Get the other people to catch up to you so that that lead isn't so apparent. You're still looking for your out. You're looking for your way to win. Mm -hmm. But while you're doing that, you're getting a little bit of the heat off of you by making it, you know, a one or two point game as opposed to a three or four point game. Almost like that. I feel like there's a place where if you can make a a swing round happen for another player, I think the most obvious example I can think of is now this is super hypothetical and please don't get annoyed at me, but let's say... Uh, one of the low, one of the lower, um, yeah, uh, VP people. What am I saying? So in lower place, in like third or fourth yep. or fifth place, uh, some they have imperial, which I feel like is possible. Sure, they're gonna they, try. They and blocked like, it from you. Right, they had right. to do that. Let's say you've had mechatol. That's how you got here. But you're realizing, like at this point, I'm never gonna get imperial again. Yeah. And in fact, imperial is a low initiative. So like in the end, you want to score right. earlier in the status. Phase. I can totally see someone being like, you know what? Uh, take Mechatol. I'm just going to give it to you yep. for free. Yep. Get that Mechatol point. It'll bring somebody else up into the pack. Now the whole herd mentality is getting messed up because right. there's too many people scoring too many points. Right. It's freaking everybody out. Let's say you have an extra player who's having one of those games where it's like, oh, their their pie slice is so well defended, but they, they just haven't been scoring any objectives because right. they haven't branched out enough. Yeah. Okay, well, it's time to like offer a little bit you know like hey why don't you just take this planet take my mechatol or take my whatever to take my lodor mm-hmm. and get your stuff over there because that's going to help you a lot right uh, even though you know it's not going to hurt you that much and sure it will help them a lot but it's not going to help them enough to secure a victory right there's this thing that i feel like kind of happens when you're in that like 7.8 point yeah. kind of area where everything just kind of becomes a scramble you don't have to like hold on to everything right. like gr- begrudgingly like you you only need a few more points and you kind of just need to become like a one track minded person of like, yes. how do I poker face all of the other people yep, at the table? Yep, yep. How do I throw off their balance so that I can sneak out, grab this one VP right. and be done with We've it? We've talked about this a lot in, in other kind of contexts, but like the idea that you can win with almost nothing at the end, yeah. at the end is, is a big, is a big factor. So as long as you can see a path to victory, that's all you need. That's all you need to do is like keep those things. I mean, right. the worst case scenario is like it's spend 16 resources and that's every planet that you have, right? We've all seen that end game where it's like if we take that planet away from them, they won't have enough resources to score the 16. Right. Like, of course, you want to avoid those situations, but there's a lot of other situations where it's just key planets that you need to keep mm-hmm. and everything else you can't afford to lose because it's late enough in the game that you don't need that much more money you just need to get those points scored well and a lot of times in a 10 point game i feel like you only really ever have to score one stage two yeah you know what i mean like, right yeah, it's yeah. like you get that first one down if and you got then, imperial points then right. that's definitely the case right you, you you definitely have enough room to do and that. i'm i'm almost at a point where we start to need to start playing 14 point i pointers. agree i know this is kind of a sidebar at this point but like i am starting to feel that you know, there's a lot of stage twos that I feel like we just don't ever really score right. in our group yeah. because they're We're just, just not like, seeing them. They're too hard and yeah. like we don't have time to even yeah. do that, you know? Right. I wish we played faster. That's the only thing holding us back from 14 point games is we are still 
It's All still right. a six. Matt in, Martins six is a little thing. bit of a slow player. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, Analysis the, the, paralysis, Matt. Yep. Yeah, the last, the last thing, and I kind of mentioned it with like talking about the player to my left. Your neighbors, like your actual seating order neighbors, are the most important people in this phase of the game. Dude, that's true. Even outside of this discussion. Yes. Like, absolutely. You should For always whole, whole really game. look at your neighbors. Yeah. Like, you you need yeah. to know what they're capable of, and you need to know when it's time to you know get sweet with them because. Uh, end of the game, they're the ones who are going to get into your home system. Right. Most other players are not going to be able to attack your home system. Right. But if you've got one player that you've got good terms with, they are really going to strongly consider whether or not they want to attack your home system and it it's going to help you a lot. So those are the people you need to be making the most deals mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, and I mean, those are the people that if the herd is saying like, ah, like we really got to get so-and-so and they're yeah. kind of on your side or they have a reason. I had a I had a game where I was extra and Alex was next to me as Mentech. You can watch this game. I think it's the most, still the most recent stream we've done. We haven't done a stream in a oh, while. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we had kind of gotten in bed together as yeah. far as uh, like promissory notes and such. And it kind of became a factor in the end of right. like when people were trying to turn on me, like Alex, Alex was kind of really looking at it like, I'm it. not really sure how I'm going to do that and also accomplish my objectives right. because we had just been so, it's almost like, it's not that in the end of the game, Alex looked at me and was like, I won't betray my friend. No. It's that we had been so easygoing for so long that the window where he could have stopped me right. without him knowing had already closed. Yes. It was already too late. Right, right. Basically. And, and also, like, sometimes you sacrifice a lot of your own wealth and, and like, advantages by betraying your neighbor. Like, right. that, that is sometimes a, a, a hard trigger to pull. Um, I remember what it was. It's that he had given me promise of protection as Mintag. Yeah. With mir- he had mirror computing. Really afraid of losing that. And I was extra in a game where uh, no, there were no other four commodity races. Yeah. So I was kind of playing like a light Hakan, yeah. like defensive You were giving Hakan him kind of a lot of money. And I was giving him a lot of money. That was the idea is that I was going to keep him happy um, while I had promise of protection and could still generate a lot of cash myself. You know what else was important? If I remember right, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but the, the point will still stand. I think he was sitting to your right. He was. And that is a big deal. Right. Uh, you, if, you can, if we're going to really make a priority list of like who you need to be best friends with, the person sitting immediately to your right is the biggest one because they're the ones sitting in front of you in speaker, speaker order, order yep. and you might be able to, in some situations, convince them to let you get strategy cards that you need. Right. So if you can get the person ahead of you in speaker order on your side, that is about as good of a relationship on mm-hmm. the table as you can possibly have. Mm-hmm. There are some. I know Blarknob harps on this. That there are people who talk about like the the relationship with sitting left to right with anybody at the table is like the number one dynamic of the game that you should find a way to get mm-hmm. in control of. For sure. And I think that's a part of the meta that I haven't even explored enough myself. I don't think about it actively enough during games, but when I do start to notice it, it is like a huge deal. So be very aware of who's sitting to your right and how you can get them to ease off of you a little bit. Right. Entice them with, with your wares and see, see what they're willing to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Let's say we're kind of working. All of this is working. We, we see our path to victory. We've got the meta off of us a little bit. Um, I think something we keep pointing out here is being defensive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've clearly enough defined, like, what does it mean to, like, really switch into defensive mode? Yeah. Because that, is- at, at a certain point, you will you will have to do that. There's just going to become a round. It, usually it is, like, the final, final round where right. everyone's like, oh, we just counted it up. They're going to win. Right. So what do we do in this new, this round seven, we just 
realized Matt is definitely going to win unless we take his home system. I mean, it's kind of the thing. I feel like the main point we really want to make here is that you sort of every game have to be prepared for this. Right. Um, this is always a possibility. Yes. Sometimes you have those games where you win and nobody even noticed that right. you were going to win. Those are great. That's a Yasarl victory. Yeah, kind th- of and thing. that's fun. Uh, but a lot of times people are going to notice that you've got the game. Yep. So what that means is that you need to be preparing for yep. that the entire game. Right. And that's what we were kind of saying earlier. Every, I think the biggest thing is um, always play as though at some point you're going to become public enemy. Just have right, that on your mind. Right. You're going to be public enemy number one at some point because that's kind of the, I mean, as much as people like to say, like, if I don't ever take leads because then I can't control the meta. Well, hopefully you can and you should you should plan for it because it is better to have a plan to work against that problem than it is to just be like, I just don't let that happen because I couldn't. Right, and then how are you going to win? That. Like, right. you can't just like win by staying in the herd the whole time. You do have to score the right. most points. You're, you're, you're just assuming you're going to have a swing round and you can't make that assumption. Right. You, you Or at least you can't, you're assuming you're going to have a swing round in the round that wins you the game. And that is a great thing to have happen, but more often than not, you're going to need to go ahead and take that swing round and it's going to leave you at eight or nine points. Well, the, as as you gain more points, the game gets less and less random. Right. I mean, like, you, you, everyone experiences this. Right. This is the thing. Like, it goes from being lots of chaos to, like, in the end, you are you can look at other players and be like, oh, that's how they're going to win. Right. Right there. Right. So, obviously, the big factors here, are, okay, it's, it's turtle time. Um... <laughs> you know, we we talk about, like, certain factions that can do this really well. Like, Arborek can just, on a dime, like, all right, I'm dropping 10 ground forces on my home sure. system. Yeah, yeah. There are those plays, but we want you to think more about all game long, what should you be doing to make sure you'll be able to hold on at the end. And this is, this is like, every time you have some bonus capacity, you have, like, an extra dollar and some extra capacity, build some infantry. I do it with Sarween a lot. Yeah. I'll kind of let Sarween just be, like, the infantry tech. Right. I, I make, I try to make a point to, nowadays, I didn't do this at first, but I've, I've noticed it, I think it helps me a lot more with every single build action, no matter what, I put two infantry into the budget. Yeah. And then I let the rest of my production capacity be whatever I can fit. I, I don't like to do any more, like, okay, I have eight resources and I have five capacity. Well, eight resources, I'm just going to build two dreadnoughts because two dreadnoughts are good. I like to think of it as I have eight resources. One of those resources is two infantry. Already. So it's I had five already. capacity. Mm-hmm. I actually, what I actually have it's is three. seven resources and three capacity. Right. And that's what I need to make uh-huh. work because uh-huh. those two infantry are a given right. every single time I build. Right. That way, if I do that every single time I build on every space dock, I will have enough infantry throughout the board that I can hold on at the end of the game. Yeah. I feel like the other thing that that we need, and it's not necessarily about it's not about the shooty bits. It's not about the space cannon. It's about planetary shield. Yep. You got to, at some point, throw a PDS down. If, if you're thinking like, well, the only thing that's going to stop me is like somebody invading my home system. Well, then planetary mm-hmm. shield is a very good way to right. make that math really simple. Exactly. You know? Yeah. If you can stop three or four dreadnoughts with plasma scoring from bombarding your home system and turn it into just straight up and down mm-hmm. ground forces versus ground forces, 
you can make it very easy for people to see, oh, we can't do anything. Right. We you've literally a, can't do if anything If you throw even them. a single PDS down on your home system at some point, you've eliminated so many factions, yep. really, from even being able to deal with your right. stuff. And like, the, the same thing goes for if, you're, if your strategy is relying on Mechatol Rex or any like of incredibly key planet, that planet should have a PDS on it. Because right. you need to have a lot of ground forces and a PDS just as the kind of safe haven. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think of... At one point we were gonna do we we recorded a video about like good PDS networks and yeah. we never released it because I never I don't know whatever the point it just what it didn't it didn't really it didn't flow well yeah but, but the point of the video was it is always better to spread out your PDS rather than to just drop them all. like yeah, yeah okay it's cool to fire like six shots at one fleet that is cool but a most factions are not gonna have enough time to drop that many PDS. So you really have to think about PD. I, I typically think of PDS as like, I'm probably going to get two a game. Yeah. And in addition to whatever I start with, I'm going to maybe have a chance to get two more. Right. And so with those two, I need to think about what planets they really need to be on. Right. And so even with Deep Space Cannon, and you can have really a lot of fun coming up with like, ooh, how is my network going to be shaped because I have Deep Space Cannon and where are all those things going to touch? The big important thing is like, you just need to have a PDS on the important planets. And it really is as simple as that. Right. Right. Uh, rules question real quick. Yeah. Um, planetary shield doesn't apply. Like if I have a planetary shield on a two planet system. Only the planet only that it's the on. Only the planet that it's on, yep. of course. So yeah. home system, you need a PDS on every single planet right. in and that's, that system. And um, uh, that's why that, Hakon can be kind of troublesome. Yeah. That, that's why Hakon is, has difficulty winning from ahead. Um, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about some factions, uh, faction specific stuff. Uh, we're kind of wrapping up this whole conversation and we wanted to do that by saying who are our, I kept saying bunker busters, bunker if, busters, bunker busters. Yeah. Who, who are the people that we are really afraid of? Because if our only hope is holding on to what we've got and just mm-hmm. surviving to the mm-hmm. end, who is best equipped to come in and like completely screw up that plan. i think we've called them uprooters yes before, yeah yeah that type have. of thing um yeah i mean it's just like if you're listening to everything that we've described i mean there are like there are some faction combinations that are particularly fearsome the most obvious one i feel like is the barony flagship lots of bombardment cancels planetary shield yeah. um, honestly that is the the biggest one that's, that's the scariest that's your thing biggest bon- bunker you. buster because i mean that's all it does is bu- bur- bust bunkers, bu- bust bunkers. he bumps boosters bunks, buck, busters yeah uh I, busters, I, bunkers. I would also be afraid of l1z1x war sons although these are certainly easier i guess easier to deal with i don't know i it's because i recently had a game where i played as l1z1x and i and you lost about them it. i built yeah. i built two war sons and never both. got to use them well you messed um, up but i didn't mess up it's I just your fault I, okay it's your fault <laughs> Stop it. Uh, but no, uh, L1Z1X War Sons are, are truly devastating. Hero is going to just like ugh. melt you. Uh, so you need to do what the player in that game did against me. Just snipe it. You need to get out. The, and, and the same thing with the Barony flagship and with all these things we're about to describe is like you need to get ahead of it. Right. You need to keep the busters from coming to your home system. Yeah, because... the busters from bunkers. <laughs> Uh, it, the other one is the soul flagship. Huh? Right. You, you were the one who wanted to bring this one up because it's... Um, I wanted to bring it up because I think in a soul game, uh, any good soul player is going to be building up a lot of uh, infantry on at least one planet, probably Mechatol, maybe mm-hmm. their home system, right. maybe both. Right. Um, if I'm playing a soul and I realize that somebody's ahead of me and that the only way that I'm going to be able to win is to uproot them from their home system, uh, you better believe I can take that 
high, really high capacity yeah. flagship and just bring those dudes in. You can make twenty it. ground forces with a carrier and your flagship. They're like the only ones carrier. too. When I'm playing against them, that it's hard to do the math of how many yeah. gr- infantry I need on a planet because it's like they're the only ones who could. There's no what the best thing about planets is that you can have as many infantry on them as you want. There's right. literally no limit. The worst thing about planets is that the Federation of Soul can have as many ground forces on a planet as yeah. they want. Right. So. <laughs> With capacity, capacity-wise, they're the only ones that could feasibly bring right. enough that it's like, wow. And they've probably built more infantry exactly. than you. Because so they've been on, dropping them for free, right. basically. They've been, they've been dropping them all the time. So depending on like where they're located spatially, like that could be an issue. That yeah. could be something where it's like, I- I'll never build enough, right. basically. Right. And the last one is the Nalu flagship, just because it's kind of specifically designed for certain makeups of of fleets and defenses i mean mm-hmm. if you have graviton you can kind of stop a nalu flagship so it is a lesser effect as these other three but that nalu flagship if it brings a bunch of fighters with it 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 could take out yeah. any any home right. system planet and really just like war suns in general in in various yeah, situations true. are like anyone with a war sun is a threat right right lizix is the big threat but anyone with a war sun that goes through your planetary defense that bombards honestly four on a on a three because you almost always have plasma scoring with war suns so right it's, it's it's going to do a lot of damage to what you've got on that planet right but i mean as 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 we all know there's not as much war suns out there yeah. anymore they're you not know? very it's a little bit different good even though they're really great units they're not very good at being in the board game yeah i kind of want to do I, I mean someday i, I want to talk about you know like how the war sun versus infantry economy yeah. has really changed a lot with ti4 yeah and I think that's something that we will probably talk about in the future. I'd really like to. Yeah. God, has this been sounding good or what? Has this been I don't even know. Or... I'm I'll like... say this much because it sounds good to me right now with these headphones in my ears. <laughs> I've not been goofing as much. No, it feels this is, like has this, this been project su- has gotten really serious. This is a serious like... radio show where we discuss serious matters and talk serious TI strategy. Yeah. I hope you haven't had any fun today and you've only I hope learned. You make sure to not have fun when you listen to this show. Right. And I feel like I said it early on in the show. Yeah. That it wasn't gonna it's be a fun show. It's always been Hunter's priority. My priority has always been to make sure that this is not a fun hour of your Tuesday. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I want it to be I want to I want you to have your this you guys have homework. Had, you guys have had your workbooks out, right? Yeah, right. Right. You mean like, to be taking notes. Wait, wait, wait. You guys had you? Did you guys all get your? Did workbooks? you buy the official Space Cats Peace Drills workbook available now? For you guys bet! Oh my god! If you guys tell me that you haven't been using your workbooks, I'm going to be really get upset. out of my class. First, you, get out. The get first out. page is you have to draw principal. a cat. <laughs> it's a very fun workbook. Yeah, it's a fun workbook. Page one, draw a cat. Page two, draw a turtle from memory. From me- <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're done we're done we're gonna you go one from ahead you won from it hopefully with these tools you, you are will, now able to win be, by having the most victory you'll points. be in the lead of the horse race and you'll win and it won't no dark horses in this one no dark horse no dark horse in this race just winners that win and they win from winning that'd be a good title for this episode how to win from winning Pop goes the weasel. Welcome to <laughs> Space Gas Peace Turtles Arada. I've never been able to do that before. We got pop filters, and yeah. I'm popping on into your right? brain right now. Man, it's I'm just gonna, loud and not terrible. Sound. I want to ruin those car speakers, baby. <laughs> you taking a shower? I hope you throw the speakers in with you. <laughs> 
I used to do, I ruined an external speaker by. Did you really? Yeah, it said it was waterproof, so I would put it in the shower, and it turned out it was water, I guess just water resistant. I don't know, it stopped working. That's not water or anything, you know? <laughs> That's just, hey, that'd be cool if you sold a product that, like, this product is destroyed by water. That's its selling point? <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is like everything else. Water wrecks it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is uh, Samarata from last week's episode, Win From Your Behind, or Win From Behind. You're behind, now win. Uh, first one is from Jimbo V. Is that That's always what we call him, but I don't know if that's... Is that his name? That's the name. Call him? That's his name on, on other things. He, Jimbo V Jimbo from, v, yeah. uh, from Reddit, Twilight Imperium. Is it worth holding off scoring a secret objective early in the game so that you do not appear too strong? My general philosophy of scoring as many points as early as I can has served me fairly well, but I have to wonder whether I could have avoided some unwanted attention during the agenda phase if I learned to pull my secret objective punches in the first three rounds. Can now, this errata kind of inspired the whole episode. Yeah, the, yeah honestly, there's multiple. You're going to notice this is a trend with all this errata, and so we, we're not going to harp too long on many of these points, but a lot of what you guys and gals asked us in the errata is kind of like we were we we decided we needed to talk about this whole subject because it of, just became an episode. Yeah, basically. it became an episode. So so this first one is something I think we brought up, which is just score the ones that kind of make sense to score. Uh, right. I just will. I cannot bring myself to say don't score a point if you can score a point. Mm-hmm. Only score points that like. It, if it's between two, score the easier one. But I would never just straight up not score a point that I have available unless, like I said, it's like an action phase, secret objective that I'll be able to definitely do later. Right, right. But if even some no of those. timing window that you're going right. to be blocked on. I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, don't be deceived by, like, uh, kill the last, uh, bombard the last ground force on a planet. I'll do that one every single time. That's hard. Because I so often it's have hard. bad luck with no, that role. That, I mean, and I that don't one's get... hard to do. So, so you really got to pay attention to like what the objective is uh, and then judge whether it's worth holding off on. And I'm going to say a majority of the time, no, go ahead and score it and just figure out how to hold on later. I would rather get ahead and hold on than have given up points willy-nilly throughout the game and then not be able to have the swing round that I need later on. I think that's one of the core points of this entire episode that yeah. I really want people to click yeah. into. I think we're going to get some flack for that, too, because I think it's not that we're saying definitely get way ahead. If you can keep yourself from being... I mean, I have foregone Imperial points before so that I don't get too far of a lead, but the only reason I didn't take those Imperial points is because I had plenty of other objectives to score. Right. I had a decent hand of secret. I was mm-hmm. taking Imperial, or not... I was taking Imperial off of Mechatol, or if I'm on Mechatol, I'm I'm doing the secondary of Imperial. I'm letting other people get it so that I can get secret objectives. I'm keeping my options open and remaining in the pack. Right. If your attitude is to win more, right. then you, you might just mess yourself up. Right. Basically. So so I think there is a certain amount of keep the unwanted attention off of you, but you certainly shouldn't just straight up not score points. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, special shout out to Jimbo V for being a space kitty, because Jimbo V is a space kitty Space now. kitty. Meow. Uh, TI4 is a virtue. Had this to say, one factor left out of the episode was that leadership is almost as good for endgame swinging as Imperial. The extra command counters are key to prolonging your turn and swinging hard. 
plus leadership equals you swing score first. This is something I mess up a lot. I yeah. feel like I don't take imperial, or sorry, I don't take leadership enough in the yeah. late game. Yeah. And too many times I've realized like, oh, whoops, I done. I could have taken that, and then I would have been first in initiative, and then I would have won. Right. This is why totally happened in, to in recent weeks or months. I've gotten way more into influence because I think the the key here. I mean, leadership is a big part of it, but just having command counters is a huge part of it. Which is you need those command counters to be able to do those last second maneuvers. Right. You need to be able to take actions, and if you don't have command counters, you don't take any actions. That's it. Like it, mm -hmm. it's as simple as that. And so, um, taking leadership in the end can give you that swing and like they say maybe you're not going to get imperial ever again in the last like two or three rounds right, because right. you're too far in the lead but they might let you get leadership and that means you're scoring first in the status phase so you still have pretty good chances of winning the, the same goes for even outside of leadership just like obviously this is why diplomacy is a strategy card right it's nothing is better at locking yeah. down your home system than just locking it down with diplomacy right. Right. and also you go second in Initiative, initiative order. order. So you're going to score immediately after leadership. Right. So th there's those are big factors in that late game push. Uh, Random complaint though. I kind of wish that diplomacy was first in initiative. I order agree because it's just not very good. Yeah. Really, in general, because it's just a bad strategy. So like, card. it might as well just be first, and then it has that going. Yeah, forward. I feel like leadership is a holdover from when it was just called initiative, and it right. completely operated differently, and then they turned it into leadership. But yeah, I, I don't know why the command counter thing is first yeah i don't know hmm. uh, anyways yeah <laughs> just just some random musings uh next one is from venerable zen dog yo woof woof bark bark i've come to believe that that was it that was the whole woof, woof. that's all he said <laughs> that's all he said um, he's a dog what did you expect i've come to believe that it is imperative to not score all of your secret objectives before the final round once you have scored all three then your board position and likely strategy becomes very clear to your enemies having a secret unscored but in hand keeps them guessing and gives you room to act like you can't win now this very much influenced our episode Obviously, yeah, yeah you can hear that we literally responded about this, to this this problem yeah i i, I think um um, you are right. What sucks about all these things is we, we're kind of arguing against them, but I do agree with all of them. But I just think of it as if you can allow that to happen, that's great, but I'm not going to force that to happen. But there's it, it's certainly no doubt that like secret objectives are the easiest way to surprise people with a victory. That, right. That's their whole purpose. Right. They're right. a secret objective. It's secret. That's what they're there for. And so I agree you should, you should try to have like one in that last round. But I take this point more to mean keep drawing secret objectives rather than don't score one so that you have one in the end. It's just about make sure you're getting secret objectives. Having Making sure you have three. The worst thing you can have is like you scored your first secret objective, you never drew another one, and now you're out of points to score. Well, you did that to yourself. You didn't get more secret objectives. Right. Always be drawing secret objectives if you can afford it. I think this is kind of just like a willy-nilly, like we're actually not, we don't really feel that differently from Zendog. No. I feel like the only word in it that I disagree with is imperative. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. just, There's to, some to us, room there. it's not imperative. It is like, sometimes you gotta. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta sometimes score. Sometimes you just gotta like, score that like, point. There's, that's the only way I'm blockading way that, gonna... that home system right now. It's gotta happen now. I have to do it now. Right. I'm, it, it sucks to put me that far ahead, but I just it's the timing. But I can't just like, t I can't just take the chance yep. that I'm gonna get, because so many, the secret objectives in general are wildly different from difficulty. Right. Like the, even more so than the public objectives. Yeah. And, and in some games, you can't even assume you're going to make it to next status phase. I mean, right. I've been in games where it's like, if I hadn't scored my secret objective 
last status phase, I wouldn't have realized that, oh, actually, Hunter also has a path to victory, and because of the strategy card he picked, he could beat me there suddenly, and I, I just wasn't prepared for that, and now I'm just sitting on a secret objective that I could have scored last round, and mm -hmm. now I'm waiting to score it, but he's going to beat me to it. Right. That I, I just hate leaving myself open to that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, to continue with this discussion, Woodman663 said, I would say make sure you either end the game on your swing round or have an impenetrable home system mm -hmm. and or have some secret objectives on hand that can be scored even if you t the table turns against you. This is just a great point. Uh, this is sort of what we brought up earlier saying... Obviously, it is best if your swing round is the one that finishes the game. Right. And that's why we did that. This this is like the linchpin of our whole episode was if you had to take your swing round earlier because you just had to because that's the timing of it. Right. That's why you needed to. Do, it's all of these things. Defend your home system. Get those secret objectives. Have a plan in place to hold on despite having too early of a swing round. S-K-R-A-D-K-R-K. Scradkirk. says. If they see you are hoarding trade goods, planets, action cards, and have the Imperial Strategy card, plus a few unclaimed secrets and easy public objectives, then you have to ensure one thing, and I don't recall you mentioning it, control your home system planets. Again, harping on all these things that we decided we needed to just make an entire episode. Basically, mm -hmm. you all wrote this episode, and we just elaborated on your points. Yeah, so uh, let's just give like special thanks these to are all literally the everybody that gave us like errata, um, for this this episode in particular was very much influenced yep. by the response that we got from the audience. Very oh, much, absolutely. So, so, yeah. so thank you all. Such good points in in a discussion that I think has even more nuance than like we are giving it credit for right now. Like that, this is to me, this is like the magic of TI. What we're describing right now is this weird balance of like, don't get too far ahead, but don't right. get too far behind. Right. And if you get behind, what do you do? If you get ahead, what do you do? Like. Nothing is ever guaranteed to you right. in TI. And that's why I, I don't like it when th this all started off with me not wanting people to say, well, I'm out of the game. It's over. Right. There are no guarantees. There's so much random. You're swerving. way ahead. Yeah. There are no guarantees. Right. Nobody has that because TI is too, there's too many fluctuations. Right. So you got to prepare for every possible God, scenario. It's like as chaotic as real life. It's literally right. like chaos theory, like, you know, butterfly flaps it, its wings in Asia and you win. <laughs> right. As Sardak well, Nor. It's, it's so funny to me that someone can fall behind. Butterfly win is Sardak Nor. <laughs> It's really funny to me that somebody can fall behind and be like, well, end of the game right there. Right. But everyone is also willing to admit that when you get ahead, you could totally get screwed over and not yeah, win. Yeah. So like, those two things are on the right, same spectrum. Right, right. And they're in the same conversation. And that's why this episode exists is because they're really the same problem, which is anything could happen and you just need to be ready to deal with what happens. Right. I really like uh, episodes like the one that we just did, actually, because I really enjoy the fact that so much of the show yep. is about the response Absolutely. to, like, we'll, we'll say some stuff, you'll say some stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, it, this, this show is so much a conversation, yep. and that sometimes we put an idea out there, and we realize, like, oh, This is bigger well, than we realized. <laughs> right. This is bigger than we thought, and now we kind of need to talk about this other thing yep. because of the response that we're getting. Yep. Just Yeah, it's great. This show rules. This is the best show. Yeah. So because this so, show rules. But this show rules, and you should don't listen to Marin. Don't listen <laughs> to Comedy Bing Bong. Don't listen to uh, what do normal people listen to? Uh, I listen to Five Thirty Eight. Don't listen podcast. to that. Yeah. Don't, don't listen, to listen to Radio Lab. Ew. Don't listen to that one. Don't listen to the Moth. There is only Space Cats. Peace. Only Space Cats. Not Shut Up and Sit Down Pod. 
Only space cats. Yeah, they don't. Not, they don't even talk about about the Twilight Imperium game often. No, enough. they don't. Don't oh, no no dice tower. Only space cats. <laughs> no, what else? You're running out of steam. Do you no, listen to any other podcasts? No, my brother, my brother, and me. Only <gasps> space cats. No adventure zone. Only space cats. No, they're too much fun. Right. As we already talked about, you need you need this serious. No discussion. earwolf podcast in general. Home I'm done work. with this. Only bit. space cats. You know, can we tell them about where they can follow us? You can go to Twitter for game updates oh, and announcements. Our Such Twitter every is week. space cats pod. Facebook for announcements and questions is good. We have one. Uh, space cats be startles is the name of the show. You dingus. Uh, Reddit Twilight Imperium. You can go there to put, to see our weekly posts about each episode, and that's where you can discuss stuff. That's where yeah, you, you know can... what? It's not just our posts there either. There's obviously there's a ton of posts. Oh, on there's lots of great Beer. stuff there, and everyone should keep up the discussions on all those posts. And people should be putting maps into the cartographer. <gasps> yes. We keep harping on I've that. I've seen more it happening too. It's been great. It's been yeah. awesome to watch a bunch more, more maps more, hitting it. More, more, keep more, more, doing it, and keep adding them to the cart cart attack. Cartographer, what like. whatever. Uh, you can go to our board game geek guild to see what Robofish is thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> we had more submissions this week from. The people are returning to Board Game Geek because we're, we're harping it up a good, little good, bit. Good, the good. calendar is still totally wrong. Whatever. Right. I don't y- care. You can email us at spacecatsbeasturtles at gmail. Um, and that's where we like to get our This Imperium Life submissions, Play of the Week submissions, which we don't have one of those yet. You're going to do the rest of this rundown while I get one. Oh, okay. Well, please go back to the rundown so I can see it. Uh-oh. Oh, I see. What's going to happen now? Okay, so... Um, you can check out our Patreon, uh, to contribute to the show. Uh, you bought us these mics that we're using right now. Thank yeah, you, you so did much. Uh, and the recorder and on all of our new gear that we're finally using. And it's, I, I want to say this much. It's going to be hugely, uh, th- this new gear that we got is for Gen Con. It's not right. just like, oh, we want to, I mean, obviously we want to make the podcast sound better, but we got stuff that's way more mobile. And we're hoping it makes a huge impact on what we're able to do at Gen Con. So, oh, so we're excited for that. Yeah, it's super awesome. Um, and th- and uh, thank you know thanks everybody for keeping keeping that going. And again, we just want to keep putting it out there. Um, if you are have been on the fence about supporting the show, and you're like, ah, I don't really, that's not really something I do. Uh, but maybe you'd be down to do a one time uh, donation to the show. Uh, we would encourage you to th- that this would be the time to do that. If you were only ever going to hop on for a month. Right. This is the month to do it. This is the and week we will, to do it. <laughs> we will remind everyone. We will be like, hey, if you were just hopping on because you wanted to support us for Gen Con, we, we will it, let you yeah, know. Like, it, hey. it basically activates at the first of the month. And so we, it doesn't actually drop to us until after the first or second or whatever right. the month. So we'll let you know when that's happened. And then you can pull your submission. We get it. We understand that not everybody wants to do this month to month. And we respect and understand that. Right. Um, and... Uh, Though I, I want to throw this out there, after Gen Con, we are going to be retooling the Patreon because we have yeah. goals for after Gen Con. Right. It's not we like gotta, the show's going to end it. after that. Um, we've got other things that we're going to do. So, you know, stay tuned for that as well. Um, you can hit up our Discord for uh, fun conversations, really solid memes. Uh, there was a lot of really good swinging memes uh, if you know what I'm talking about, wink, <laughs> swinging. Um, <laughs> Man, there were good ones. Uh, yeah, there were he's right. Really, there really were really good ones. Really good ones this uh, week. Shout out to Arch Thom of Mean Town. Uh, and no, Bob's and, and Dugnut and does Bob's all the. Yeah, Bob's and Dugnut does the the crazy Photoshop stuff. Um, and uh, you can go there for for Discord to. Uh, ugh, I'm really goofing up the rundown today. Uh, Patreon benefits you get you get those there as well. Um, please rate us on your podcast app of choice. 
especially Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Um, and then, ooh, now here's my time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, uh, I am Hunter Donaldson. Uh, I've been one part of the show that you've been listening to, but I'm also a stand-up comedian, um, and I have a show that was just uh, written about in The Oregonian. If, uh, if you Google my name and Oregonian, uh, you will see that uh, a very wonderful writer who definitely does not listen to the show, his name is Mike Acker, interviewed <laughs> myself and uh, my co-producers um, of a show that I run called Comedy Party House Show Comedy. And this is a show that I run in a backyard, um, and it's lots of stand-up comedy, lots of the best uh, stand-ups in Portland. Portland is a particularly very good city for stand-up comedy, and I am very, very blessed to be here, and we were just so excited to get in the paper. I mean, we're in a physical paper, and then also it's online. But uh, anyways, uh, the next show for that will be July 28th. It will be this Saturday, in mm-hmm. fact. That's what it is. Uh, and it's going to start uh, at like 8 p.m., and uh, it is in a backyard, and this is the address, <laughs> 6346 North Maryland Avenue. Please come out. Let me know that you're a Space Cats fan. Uh, it is going to be a great time. There is, uh, it's 21 and up, which actually I should say that. I probably I probably have never mentioned that, but yeah. I probably should have been That's saying important. that all along. Um, it is a 21 and up show, sadly, um, but there's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. Um, I will be there doing comedy and please come and say, Hey, I, I listen to the show and you know, and then I'll the, get you free. This month is, is really fun. I want to bring it up cause I don't know. It hasn't been talked about that much. I don't know. Hunter maybe doesn't want me to bring it up, but the, the comedy competition happened. Hunter did, did well. He didn't win. It's a huge no, competition, it's a huge but competition. this month on their show, they have the person that won. Right. Headline. It's a huge deal. We I have a uh, port, the newly crowned Portland's funniest person, uh, Alex Falcone. Yep. Uh, will be on the show. He will be uh, probably doing closing out the night. He'll, yeah. Unless we get some crazy drop in, that's even <laughs> bigger deal than he is. Um, but yeah, the uh, point being, it is incredibly good comedy. It's right. not like it's not really amateurs. It's it's people that like are some of the funniest people. Oh, in these are. I mean, you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of people that are very just very talented and have have yet to be discovered. But also, I mean, there's people that I run with that are like just about to break type level of, of yeah, comedy. Right. Um, another, actually, I'm going to throw this out there randomly. Um, if, uh, if, if you want to check out another show, I have been co-hosting a show actually with Alex Falcone, um, lately. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be doing it permanently, but, uh, Earthquake Hurricane on Thursday, uh, that show happens at eight o'clock and that is at Ford Food and Drink in Portland as well. Um, so yeah, if you want to kind of, if your Thursdays are more open than your Saturdays, come out and check it out because you'll see... Uh, myself, you'll see uh, Portland's funniest person. Portland's funniest person. You'll see third place, per, uh, or sorry, second place as well. Uh, you'll see a lot of really good comedy. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to thank some Patreoners, some patrons. Do it. I want to thank the Mahat Maniac Jesper person. I want to thank Ambrose the Vile, and I want to thank Alex Diaz. Diaz? Diaz? Alex. Thanks, Alex. Alex. Not um, that Alex, though. Not, not that Alex. Alex. Not the Alex we always have. No, screw him. We don't thank him this week. We thank right. this other new Alex. Let's do the play of the week. Okay, maybe. this play of the week is given to us by Jim Howes. Four-player game. Yes, I know you hate this. And I chose Barony. When my closer neighbor revealed that he was Arborek, I started licking my lips. My other neighbor was Hakan with Creus rounding out the table. I got Gravity Drive quick and sent a Dreadnought out to claim Saudar, our equidistant system that was adjacent to Mechatol. He didn't like this at all, and I extended an olive branch by leaving it undefended on turn two. When he moved in to claim it, 
I played parlay and left his infantry stranded in space. Of course, he still got to build at the end of the action and threw down a dreadnought to ward me off. Turn three, he lands on Sador, and I offer him a deal. I'll let you keep that silly little planet, but you need to pay tribute to the barony. He seems to think his four Latani two and PDS will be enough and gives me the cold shoulder. When warfare is played, I use the secondary to build my flagship, which cancels Majin, and then repeat my offer. Still no response. Stupid plants. I move in. His paltry fleet puts up a good fight, but only takes out a couple fighters. And then I decimate the planet with five bombardment rolls from my flagship, a dreadnought, and plasma scoring. Only a single plant person survives, and he is quickly dispatched by the invasion force. To add insult to injury, none of them successfully respawn at his home planet. My aggression is further rewarded when the next public objective is revealed. Have ships in two systems adjacent to Mechatol. So as you can imagine, there's some bad blood heading into the agenda phase. Fortunately, I am the speaker and I reveal the first agenda, which I placed on the top of the deck. I forget the name, but it's the one where infantry and fighters now cost one per resource instead of two per resource. Arborek starts begging for a veto or anything to help him out of this, and the ghosts approach him with an offer to assassinate my representative. He coughs up some precious trade goods, and the kill-for-hire plot is carried out. The barony are above such despicable intrigue. I casually inform the table that I wasn't planning to vote in this one anyway, as I drop an imperial rider on against. The law is rejected, and the Arborek barely avoid getting kneecapped while giving a victory point to their hated rival. It's a pretty good example of what we were talking about with the Barony flagship. Exactly. Bombarded. It's, it's, it's almost as if we meant to do that. We definitely we did, did not. We didn't. We but, did not. But boy, is that... We didn't a... even notice until we were reading it that it was applied at all to what we we've been discussing. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that being said... Send us more plays of the week. We're, we're, we, we had kind of a slow leak. We're, we're, we're running out. So please, please, please send us more plays of the week. Send us those juicy plays, yeah, please. Yeah, give us, give us, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And that's it. That's, the, that's how we end the note. That's how we end the podcast is give us some more juicy give plays me. of the week. Okay. All right. I love you. Oh, Hunter. I wasn't talking that's to you. That's nice. I wasn't talking to you. Well, I know. It's still nice. I was talking to... Do you think they love you back? I wasn't talking to all of them. Which one were you talking to? Steve. I do love Steve. Steve, I love you. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosum.